شیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم آلیا بنی لا تقصص رؤیا کعلا اخوتی کفیقیدو لککیدا ان الشیطان للانسان عدو مبین صدق اللہ العظیم Yesterday we discussed the dream that Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam saw. That he saw 11 stars and the sun and the moon prostrating to him. So his father, Hazrat Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam, when this dream was related to him, when Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam related this dream to his father, his father was a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. And being a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, The interpretation of dreams is something that he was obviously very, very familiar with. And he immediately understood the meaning of this dream. That what is this meaning? What does this mean? And it was very clear that the 11 stars are his 11 brothers. And the sun and the moon refer to his parents. According to some narrations, his mother had passed away, but his aunt... his mother's sister, his, she had then come into the nikah of his father. So this is the reference. So in any case, this was a clear indication that someday would come when all these brothers would be then subservient, so to say, to the Yusuf wasalam. But in this he also saw that there is some indication of some kind of mischief that might be plotted against Yusuf wasalam. As a result, he advised Yusuf wasalam, when this dream was related to him that, Ya Bunayya la taqsus ru'yaka ala ikhwatik. They don't mention this dream to your brothers. Now he is a young boy, he is a child, and as a result, he may not realize that what is to be shared with somebody, what should not be shared. So therefore the father is now advising him that, look, don't tell your brothers about this dream. فَيَكِيدُوا لَكَ كَيْدًا Otherwise they're going to start plotting something against you. And then Allah Ta'ala says, إِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لِلْإِنسَانِ عَدُوٌ مُّبِينَ That shaitan is a clear enemy of insan. Open enemy of insan. All the time trying to do something with the other to create a problem for this human being, for this insan. All the time trying to put some difficulty in his path by using... Whatever means, even if it means his own near and dear ones, some way or the other, shaitan, this is his own, his full-time job. So Yaqub alayhi salatu wasalam, in some ways, spelt it out. Because he had already seen the situation that the brothers, the kind of jealousy and hasad that they had already been perhaps displaying. So now he realized when they... hear about this dream, they too would realize that this, what this is perhaps indicating towards and they may try to now stop this in some way, what Allah Ta'ala wills will happen, but in their foolishness they will try to stop it in some way. So therefore he warned him. Now this comes to a very very important aspect that Yaqub mentioned something negative about his other sons to Yusuf that look These brothers of yours, they may start plotting and planning something evil. Now, this is a negative discussion. It's mentioning something about somebody. 
which is negative. This comes to the very important subject of ghibat. So ghibat is something we all know about, we all have heard about, we all are familiar with what is the severity of ghibat. But despite that, this is one of the most common sins. And ghibat is such a sin, unfortunately, that in such situations where many other sins stop, but unfortunately ghibat carries on. <coughs> a person goes for hajj, he's now in the Haramain Sharifain, he's now in Makkah Mukarramah, or he's now moving on in the five days of hajj, he's gone to Mina, he's gone to Arafat, he's gone to Muzdalifa, etc., in all these places, automatically many, many things that a person was involved in, Allah forbid if he was involved in some of these sins, automatically it stops. Allah forbid somebody was involved in gambling, the only, inshallah, it's very, very far-fetched, somebody will get caught up in gambling now in the Haramain Sharifain, or in the days of Hajj. Likewise, it is very, very far-fetched to think in this manner, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, that a person in these Mubarak places and in this time and place, he'll get caught up in zina. But at the same time, this is something that one should not take for granted. Unfortunately, very, very unfortunately, because of the kind of situation that develops in these places due to the lack of caution, due to the lack of taking the proper procedures, and even in these places, there is a lot of intermingling. And this intermingling, shaitan, shaitan is ever present to try and create some kind of facade and some mischief. Allah forbid that there are different levels of sin that take place even in these Mubarak places. But nevertheless, many other sins stop. Many other sins a person leaves behind at home and goes. But whether it is outside or whether it is right inside the Haram Sharif, sometimes a person is sitting within sight of the Kaaba Sharif, but the ghibat is carrying on. Person is in Madina Munawwara, he is right in sight of the Roza Mubarak, but the ghibat is carrying on. A person might be in Atikaf, he left everything else outside, but the ghibat comes along inside the Masjid. It starts off from some general talk, and some idle talk, and then one thing leads to another, and before a person knows it sometimes, let alone making ghibat of one person, he is making ghibat of whole nations. He is condemning a whole nation. This people, this community, this nation, this group. And in one sentence he has made ghibat of sometimes thousands of people. Now this is how severe the sin is, whereas this is among the, those sins which are the impermissibility of it is established by nasya qat'i, by an very clear text of the Quran Sharif and it is something completely haram and haram of such a level that the Quran Sharif has described it in a way that is meant to create that abhorrence perhaps nothing else has been described in such a way that is meant to create that real disgust for that aspect where Allah Ta'ala says ayuhibbu ahadukum that ghibat, ghibat is being described as what is the reality of ghibat? That a person, he is eating the flesh of his dead brother. In other words, a person has passed away, 
Now after a person passes away, after a while, it might take maybe hours, it might take days sometimes, but what happens is obvious that the body starts decaying. And as the body starts decaying, then there is this terrible stench and this, it's a very, very difficult situation to be anywhere close. If a person, Allah forbid, passed away and they didn't discover that the person passed away, sometimes it's discovered one, two days later, then it's a very, very difficult situation. Now, that situation, somebody has died and that body is now in a state of decay. Can a person even imagine, think about somebody going to eat out of that flesh? It's completely abhorrent. That whole picture is very, very, it's difficult to even bring to mind. Now that is that disgust that the Quran Sharif wants to create in our hearts and minds for ghibad. That just as a person can't even bring this to his imagination, that is the level of abhorrence and disgust he must have for the sin of ghibad. And this is that sin which then in a wholesale manner takes away a person's good deeds. All the amal that he did, and the salah he performed, and the tilawat he made, and the zikr and dua he made, and the hajj and umrah he made, and the charity he gave, and whatever amal he did, and there the ghibat starts, and all these amal, the rewards of it gets distributed to others. So Imam Abu Hanifa, in his time there was another very great personality of a similar caliber, Imam Sufyan Sauri, rahmatullahi So, one day somebody came and asked Sufyan Sauri, rahmatullahi about Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullahi that is he a generous person or is he, is he a miserly person? Whatever the reason was for him having asked this question. Imam Sufyan Sauri, rahmatullahi is a great muhaddis, great faqih, very high ranking personality. And now he's a contemporary of Imam Abu Hanifa, rahmatullahi so now this person is asking him this question. Is he a very generous person or is he a miserly person? So he replied and said, no, he's an extremely miserly person. Now somebody might think that, well, this is maybe that as contemporaries now, he's trying to run the next person down. But these people were beyond that. These first people were of that caliber, that they were beyond these kind of petty things and base things. But this is the answer he gave. The answer he gave, you know, he's an extremely miserly person. In any case, now this person wanted to know why he says this. What's the reason on which basis is he making this statement and declaration? He says he's not prepared to give anybody one good deed of his. He's not prepared to give anybody one good deed of his, what he was referring to. He never ever makes ghibat of anybody. This is the matter that he was referring to. But he just said it in a different way to bring the point home. To drive the point home, he first said it in this way, so now it might jolt a person, such a great personality, and he's miserly. But now he realized what he meant by miserly. That he is a miserly person in the sense that he doesn't make ghibat of anybody. So he's safeguarding all his good deeds. He's not giving his deeds to others. Umar Palampuri Sabrahmatullah he used to mention that when they were little children, so his mother in order to make their tarbiyat, and this is something to be done. This is not something that happens by chance. Tarbiyat is not something that happens from outside anywhere. Tarbiyat is the duty of the parents, and tarbiyat is an ongoing process. And tarbiyat happens with love and affection 
It happens with guiding by example. Yes, there is a time for disciplining. That is after tarbiyat has taken place several times. And sometimes there is a need for a little bit more pressure to be applied. So now a person will make a display of anger also perhaps sometimes. There might be some punishment necessary to be meted out which is befitting what is the situation and that which is within the limits. All that is in its place. But tarbiyat starts off with advice, with nasihat. It starts off with love and affection. It starts off with leading by example. So now this is a lesson of tarbiyat. He says that in order to make their tarbiyat, their mother would say to them that look, if ever you want to make ghibat of anybody, then make ghibat of me. Now can we imagine a mother saying to her own children that make ghibat of me. Don't make ghibat of anybody else. Make ghibat of me. Now can that be even imagined that no matter what the situation might be, one is a person wants some advice now, so to get some advice he might have to say one, two things about even his own parents maybe. But will he go around, regardless of whatever the situation is, go around discussing the weaknesses of his mother, the weaknesses of his father around to all and sundry? A person who is sane, a thinking person, this is far-fetched to imagine. So, this won't happen. So, why is he saying this? So, then she explained to them, that look, I am the one who's done most for you. And a mother's right is beyond everybody else. Nobody can come close to the right of a mother over the child. Her right is beyond even the father's right. So, she said, I did the most for you and I have the greatest rights over you. So, if you ever want to give your good deeds to anybody, I am most deserving of it. By means of ghibat, you are going to be dishing away your good deeds. You are going to be distributing your good deeds to others. So, don't give it to others. I deserve it most. So if you want to give your good deeds to anybody, give it to me. Now obviously, who's going to make ghibat to give his good deeds? He might as well read three times, Qul Allah and give the sawab. But who is going to make ghibat and give the good deeds to his mother? But this was a way of inculcating this message deep down in the heart, that don't ever make ghibat of anybody. This is that sin which the Quran Sharif describes in such a manner that is meant to create utmost disgust in the heart for that crime, for that sin. In the hadith, it is narrated that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa asked the sahaba, that do you know what is ghibat? Atadruna mal ghiba? So, they replied, Allahu Rasulu alam. So, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa then explains that ghibat is zikruka akhaka bima yakrah. Mentioning something about your fellow brother, what he would dislike, if he had to come to know later, that so-and-so spoke this about me, would he be happy or he would be unhappy about it? And turn the tables around, if we were in that situation where somebody else spoke the same thing about us, what we are discussing about others, if we were in that person's shoes and somebody spoke the same thing about us, then would we be happy about it or we would dislike it? So if we look deep down in our hearts and we are true to ourselves, then very often our heart will give that testimony that I won't be happy about this. Because it's very, very straightforward and clear most of the time. That definitely I won't be happy about it. So if I won't be happy about it, then that person won't be happy about it also. And Nabi Wasallam says that something that the person would be unhappy about if you spoke about it, then that is ghibat. So somebody asked the question, 
and they asked the question, made ihsan upon us. Because if this question had not been asked there, then we would have definitely made this ta'wil and this interpretation, and despite this question having been asked, it's still made. This misconception is still continued with it. Somebody asked the question to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that what if this is true? What I am talking about is not something that is false, it's not a lie, it is a reality. If I am saying something, then this is the reality that that person, he is the type of person that I am talking about. I am not saying something out of my pocket, I am not saying something wrong. Nabi Sallallahu replied and said that, In kana fihi ma taqul tabta. If what you are saying is true, then you are guilty of ghibat. If it is untrue, then faqad bahatta. Then you've gone beyond ghibat. Then you've gone to bohtan, to a slander. A slander is worse than ghibat. The punishment of that is worse than ghibat also. That is gone beyond ghibat. If it is true, it is ghibat. Now sometimes in one statement, a person makes ghibat of Allah forbid how many people. And now at the press of a button, he makes ghibat of one, he makes in one press of a button ghibat hundred times because he said that ghibat, somebody sent something to him about somebody else. So now he decides he must pass on this information to everyone. So at the press of the button he sends it to hundred people. So in one press of a button he made hundred ghibat. One press of the button he committed ghibat hundred times. This is how severe it becomes. <coughs> so this is indeed a very very serious uh, sin and which unfortunately is a very very common sin and without even realizing it a person slips into this and destroys his amal, destroys his good deeds therefore we have to become very conscious about this the muhaddithin, this was their duty that if somebody was not a reliable narrator now because the hadith sharif had to be preserved and those who had been involved in fabricating hadith, those who were not reliable as a result, they were creating huge blunders. All this had to be sifted out so that what is authentic could be preserved and what is not reliable had to be sifted out. But now how is it going to be sifted out? Because the hadith, what is written on paper, it didn't just come there. Or what is related, it just didn't come from the air. It came via somebody. So as a result, what became necessary is that people had to be cautioned that look, so and so person is not reliable, so don't take hadith from him. Now this became a duty upon them. So they had to do it. Now this is something which relates to what we were discussing, we started off discussing here, that Yaqub mentioned something negative about the brothers of Yusuf This is something which is on the face of it, this too is ghibat, because it is mentioning something negative. But this is where there is a, an exception, that if somebody is going to be harmed, and we came to know about it, that someone is plotting something to do against some second person, somebody is plotting to murder somebody, somebody is plotting to steal from somebody, or whatever the case may be, and we came across that information, we realized that this is what's happening, that becomes a duty to inform the other party, to protect him. 
It becomes necessary to tell him that, look, please take care. This is what I have come to know. Now that becomes necessary. So likewise, these muhaddithin, they had to make it known to people, look, so and so, this person is not reliable. You can't take this hadith from him. So and so, it has become clear this person is fabricating things. So please stay far away from what he is saying. But in all this, now this is an exception in terms of what is being said, does not fall under the category of ghibat that is haram. But, and this is a very very big but, that exception also is hinged on the intention. That exception also would depend on with what intention it was relayed. Now we got to know about something, that somebody is plotting and scheming, is planning some crime against the next person. So we found this an ideal opportunity to run him down. And we are relating that information which was permissible for us in itself. But the intention is not to safeguard that person, the intention is to run this person down, it will still be haram. So these muhaddisin also had to say what they had to say, but they said it as a form of nasiha, as a form of advice to protect deen, to safeguard people from falling into error, to safeguard people from falling into things that are not authentic. As a result they had to say it, but that too is hinged on a person's intention. Now somebody has asked you for a reference about someone. That so and so has now proposed for his daughter, proposed for his sister, whatever the case is. So now he's doing the homework and he wants to know what is the position. That this person, is he a suitable person? He's somebody who is a person with good habits, good character. Now you are very familiar with the person. You know the person very well and you are being asked for a reference about him. So now there's two situations, either you're going to say something which is not the reality. You know the person in the sense that you know some qualities about him, which had you been in that position and situation that you had to be making a decision about your daughter, your sister, and you would have declined it because of what you know about the person. Now, somebody else is in that position, he's asking the question, and you are going to have to give an answer. On the one hand, if you don't give the correct answer in the sense of what you truly know about him, and you cover it up and say, no, everything is fine. So what is the result of this? The result of this is you deceiving that person. You're giving him a good reference in a way where you are just covering everything up what you know. You know this person is involved, for example, in intoxicants, you know he's involved in some crimes or whatever other things. What is some odd things here and there? Who, who is perfect? And who is without any kind of deficiency in some way or the other? So some ups and downs, you saw one odd situation, some, sometime something. A person had something in his past life and a good amount of time has passed now. Mashallah, the person has turned over for the new leaf and he's stable a significant amount of time has passed and this is all really that chapter has closed in his life so now to go and open that old chapter and bring it out is wrong that is done now, that's over, forget about it it's not something that's fresh and recent that now you can still be unsure now what's going on, something passed now is long, two, three years have passed but this is current, this is happening now, this is something that's in the situation right now 
and you did not disclose this, if maybe not disclose the details, but you did not say anything to put the person on caution. Maybe you didn't want to go into the details, well and good, no problem, that's not necessary. But to make the person cautious, you didn't even do that. You gave him a very positive report. So what would be the end result? He might take that as a very good reference and make the decision based on that. What is the outcome? After two, three months, he realizes that he made the biggest mistake of his life. Who was responsible for that? The person who gave that information. So therefore, the person who gave the wrong information now is guilty of a crime. He deceived his brother. So he's going to have to say what is correct. But in saying what is correct, what is his intention? If his intention is to help his fellow Muslim to make the right decision, then he'll be rewarded. He's saying something negative, that look, I don't think this is a suitable person. He said that much, that's sufficient. He didn't have to go into any further detail. Look, as far as whatever I know, I don't think this is the right choice to make. However he put it, whatever way he just put it around in some roundabout way, but he made the person understand that he's not happy about it. That's sufficient. Now this is something negative, but this negative, if he's saying it in order to run this person down, is haram. Though what he's saying is the truth, he's saying it because that person wants a reference, but he found an opportunity to now run this person down, that is haram, it's ghibad. But if he's saying it purely out of well-wishing for the person asking, without wanting to run this person down, but this person now wants to know, so he has to tell him, otherwise he'll make the wrong decision. That now will be the exception. This is the same situation here. Yusuf Ali Salatu Salam is being advised by Yaqub Ali Salatu Salam because of the imminent danger. And he needed to be protected. He needed to be safeguarded. That he must not fall into this danger. So therefore he was being warned that look, don't narrate this to your brothers. Now, this is one part of it. The ghibat is a very, very detailed topic. But, whatever we've discussed, inshallah, that is sufficient for us to be, to take to heart. We should be reflecting upon this, taking stock of ourselves regularly. Allah forbid, if we have made ghibat of anybody, then there's two situations. One is that person has come to know about it. If that person has come to know about it, it is incumbent to ask that person's forgiveness. Otherwise, that sin will not be forgiven. We have to make tawbah to Allah Ta'ala also for having done this crime and ask that person for forgiveness as well. If he did not get to know about it, we should not go and inform him about it. But we should sincerely make tawbah and make amends in the form of making some isale sawab to him as well, make some, give some sadaqah on his behalf, recite some Quran Sharif and make the sawab over to him, recite one whole surah Yasin. Sometimes we just appease ourselves, okay, one pull whole lie recited and done. Or at the most we'll make it three times Qulhullah and we'll say one Qulhullah is one third sawab of the Quran Sharif. So I, three times, I begin like a whole Quran is enough now. Tomorrow if I do it again, I'll do the same thing again. So this is deceiving ourselves. We should do something that brings that pressure on the nafs. Maybe recite one para of the Quran Sharif. At least recite one Yaseen, Surah Yaseen. Or give hundred rands in Sadaqah on his behalf. So that this creates some pinch on the nafs and a person is more conscious the next time. There is a separate issue that what is the advice Yaqub is giving that don't mention this dream. Inshallah we'll discuss something about that tomorrow. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq.